and welcome to Nice Jewish Fangirls, a podcast where three Orthodox women discuss all of the wonderfully nerdy things that we are obsessed with. My name is Michal Schick, and I'm your host, and I'm joined by my amazing co-hosts, Tamar Harmon and Essam Rosenberg. Hi. Um, today we will be discussing the Mida or attribute of gratitude, uh, which is the third in our list of the Mida Musser or the kind of traits for being a good person, I guess, as we've we've sort of started calling it. As Calvin's dad would say in the comics, to build character. Exactly, exactly. But more thinking, less snow shoveling. Although I guess you could definitely include snow shoveling in some of these for other people. It's internal rather than external. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to lie, uh, before we get into it, obviously we're going to start with our uh, our current obsessions, but um, I really struggled with this one as as far as it, like a... Oh, I actually have another one that I thought of. Okay, I have two things that we can discuss. I'm sure you guys oh, will good, have plenty good. to add on to those. Okay, good. Because, yeah, I, uh, I struggled. Um, but uh, to get started with our current obsessions, uh, SM, you want to kick us off? Sure. Um, my current obsession is building off my, uh, as I discussed several episodes ago, my depression obsession with space, uh, outer space, that is, and uh, the space programs and space stations and all that stuff. Um, so uh, I had been for a while getting, I'm sure different people get different Facebook ads. I had been getting a lot of masterclass ads, and I'd been getting a lot of masterclass ad specifically for um there's a course i think taught by chris hadfield who i didn't know much about him um but it was always touting him as you know former astronaut chris hadfield um teaches you about being an astronaut and i was always kind of i'm always kind of hesitant when it's somebody who is very much in the field um because uh being a great scientist and being a great science, being a great science communicator don't necessarily go hand in hand because they're completely different skill sets. So I always kind of am hesitant when it's somebody who has a lot of expertise and is going to be a presenter. Um, so I just kind of, you know, I kind of ignored it for a really long time. <laughs> and finally, um, I guess it was just, you know, I was just curious and I went to YouTube and I watched uh, some videos. Uh, I think the first one that I saw probably was um, there's, you know, former astronaut Chris Hadfield reviews uh, space movies and tells you what's wrong with them or what's right with them. Uh, and of course, I'm a, you know, I'm a junkie for that. <laughs> I need to know <laughs> what do they do right and what do they do wrong. Um, and I really liked the way that he presented everything. And once I found out he was Canadian, it makes perfect sense because he is like so Canadian about everything. He's just so nice and so warm and so friendly and really articulate and smart in a way that doesn't come across as, you know, super intellectual, brainy, inaccessible kind of smart. Like the more you listen to him talk, you're like, oh my God, this guy knows everything. But it doesn't, it doesn't come across in a way that makes you feel alienated. He is a really good presenter of information, a really good science communicator. And I was like very impressed with that. And then I fell down, of course, a rabbit hole of more videos of Chris Hadfield presenting things and like 
he introduces himself as, you know, former astronaut and part-time musician. Because, and they asked him in one of the interviews, it was like, uh, have you seen this whole genre of wired autocomplete interviews where they give a, they give the, the interviewee um, a bunch of questions that are yep. most commonly asked um, and auto-filled in by Google? Um, and so there were just so many questions and he would take these questions and he would put such a great educational spin on them. Even if they were, you know, a silly question, there was one where it was like, is Chris Hadfield okay? And he could have just, you know, laughed and been like, yeah, fine. (laughs) But he was like, he was like, yes, I am. Thanks for asking. And just like, again, very Canadian. Um, And then he goes into this whole thing of, of, all the de- the detrimental effects that space can have on your body and uh, how it the the living in zero g can alter your your bones and your and your cells and uh, and your height and all of that stuff and he turned you know a simple silly question you know into a real educational opportunity and he does that multiple times on that video and I really appreciated that um, and it just you know feels like a really, really good spokesperson to have for the space program because he like genuinely knows everything. He commanded the space station. He's lived in space and on the space station for over six months. Um, he's gone out of the space station in a spacesuit and done space walks. Uh, and he is really good at describing his experiences in, um, in very vivid language that really gets it across. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just really fun to watch, and uh, I'm I'm kind of sad that I didn't that I didn't look into this sooner, um, and I'm tempted to take his master class because like, I don't know, it's kind of like Simone Biles has don't a master class. Don't let them class. get you. Uh, like, because Simone Biles has a master class of like how to you know Simone Biles teaches you gymnastics, and it's like, do they really what 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 is the outcome of this course supposed to be? Because I'm not going to be Simone Biles from watching Simone Biles talk at me, you know, like, but, um, yeah, I'll probably just seek out more YouTube videos of Chris Hadfield just giving out his ridiculously generous amount of knowledge for free. Yeah, I've definitely done the, like, ah, personality who is an expert. I'm suddenly obsessed with you. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, there's a term that's, uh, uh, for, it's not a, it's not a crush. It's like a platonic crush is a squish. (laughs) <laughs> um, so yeah so Chris Hadfield is currently my squish not to be confused with squeeze because squeeze has entirely other connotations <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah uh, so yeah um yeah so yeah Chris Hadfield my current obsession nice um Tamar how about you uh, my current obsession is a Korean drama called uh, work later, drink now, um, which is about three girls who are, are possibly raging alcoholics, um, but they're all in like their late twenties and early thirties, and it's kind of just like about life and kind of how they they became friends when they were in their youth, like drinking together, um, and how that like keeps them together now. But like it's it like deals with like workplace dramas and like dating stuff, and like at one point like, total spoiler, but a a character's, like, father dies, and, like, I feel like 
they're at my age, so it really hit home. Um, I was just like sobbing, like no. Um, but it, it just feels like it's a, like a bunch of girls just dealing with like their life and work and and like family stuff. And I just I thought it was really well done, and uh, it's really funny, and it's it's actually kind of hard to watch usually. The popular K dramas nowadays do show up on Netflix, so usually I could be like, "Watch this on Netflix," but this one's on a. Um, it's really popular in Korea, but it's on a Korea-only streaming platform called TV Ing, and so I had, I definitely had to not watch it illegally, um, and uh, I think I watched it on like a site called like Drama Cool or something. Um, but I think it's just really fun. The actresses are really funny. Like the first episode begins with, like. Um, them each going on a date with the same guy who like was referred to them like by one of his coworkers. Oh yeah, I have like because in Korea like Christmas dates are a big thing. And so this guy was like, I want a date for Christmas. So this other guy was like, Yeah, sure you can like I have three girls who like maybe would date, but I don't think you'll like like them. He's like, No 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 I want a date. Let's do it. And like they're they're introduced as like one of them, she's really like intense. Um and like she's just really intense. Like you can't like, I don't even know how to explain it. You just have to watch it. It's very funny. Another one is, like, she seems really, really stupid. Um, she's actually really, really smart. Uh, but she she just, like, is giggling the whole time and, like, loves bows and pink and stuff. And it's just, like, so silly. It's kind of what I wanted from Emily in Paris, except actually heartfelt instead of stupid. Um, and the third one is a workaholic. And, like, each of them, like, different aspects of their life and careers are explored throughout the rest of the season and it's just really fun and well done and just really like relatable and I just really like like they literally spend like half of the time out drinking people or being drunk or trying to stop drinking and like the show addresses that they drink way too much like it's not just like they're like oh yeah like drinking is great like there's one episode um where they each, like, for different reasons are like, I need to stop drinking. Um, and then the punchline is, is essentially like, life is too sad not to stop drinking. It's really, like, uh, intense in that aspect. You're just like, oh, I understand. Like, you need a escapist thing in life. And that's kind of like the whole show, which is, like, a little ridiculous and over the top, but also very heartfelt and I like it. So if you guys are looking for a Korean show that's not Squid Game or Hellbound, um, work later, drink now. I really, really enjoyed it. It really felt like watching it was like chatting with some of my friends. This sounds like a realer sex in the city. Kind of. Yeah, maybe. That's like a good... There's a lot of these sort of like slice of life shows in Korea nowadays dealing with like late 20s and early something, 30 something women's life. Um, and for a lot of reasons, and, and I think this one's probably the most realistic one. Um, but yeah, I can, I think, I think Sex in the City uh, is a little bit more intentionally unrealistic, whereas this is like, um, this is clearly over the top and like ridiculous. Like there are some ridiculous storylines, um, but they know they're being ridiculous. And like, there's even like, it's not breaking the fourth wall, but, like, regularly, like, one of the, the characters who's, like, the really seemingly dumb and bubbly one, she's just, like, I bet that, like, when you go on a date with this guy, like, it'll be, like, a TV show, and the, the, the like, there'll be, like, 
little angels singing and the, the camera will zoom in on your faces and you guys will just like run to each other. And so it's very funny because like they're very self-aware in that like in TV tropisms. Um, and it's just a very funny show. I think, yeah, I think it's kind of like as close as you can get to realistic portrayal of like life in a stupid rom-com sitcom style. So yeah, I liked it. Work later, drink now. Nice, nice. The only thing I have like to compare to that sort of is I don't even remember what it's called, but I watched that Rebel Wilson movie where she like bumps her head and wakes up in a oh, sitcom. Oh, isn't it romantic? Oh. Yeah, yeah. I know this is nothing like that. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I had it's... high hopes for that movie. It did not quite meet my expectations, mostly because I just you know I wanted it to be like the Galaxy Quest of rom coms, where it would be like a really great deconstruction of the genre while actually being a great rom-com. But I just didn't like the relationships, so I couldn't root for them, which is, like, kind of the essential <laughs> part of a rom-com to me. Yeah, and yeah they, I agree with you. Yeah. I th- Like, they had motions toward deconstructing... Like, I, I kind of wonder if, like, the original script was maybe more about deconstructing the tropes, like, with the gay friend and all that, but, uh, yeah. No, it, it's a... Yeah. Yeah, I had notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, as for my current obsession, I do have a couple things that I'm Is like, it the into Witcher? right now. I'm not going to do The Witcher because I'm talking about The Witcher with like a million other people mm. upcoming. So I'm just going to say. Oh, wow. That. We're not good enough to talk no, about The Witcher with special. you. I see how Everybody it is. Everybody gets to hear about The Witcher. <laughs> we get to hear about the other stuff, the important <laughs> stuff that no one else gets to hear about. It's just as good. <laughs> Um, well, I want to talk about um, The Last Graduate, which is the second book in the Scholomance series by Naomi Novik, which I referenced uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, I just finished it today, and it's just really good. Like, I, I, I don't know what the opposite of, like, we need a term for, for, like, frenemies who are, like, creative people, because, like, Naomi Novik is so good that I hate her. And like, I mean, I don't hate her. Like, if I met her on the street, I would like hug her. But I think it's perfectly normal to be like, this person is so talented, it makes me angry. Yeah, you know, like Matt Bomer is so pretty, it makes me angry. You know, (laughs) like like that. (laughs) But I'm just like, how does she have all these? She has so much, so many stories in her, and so many different stories, and like they're all so well written and interesting, and they all tackle different things and i just i mean i'm i'm like unbelievably jealous but anyway um the scholament series is basically about um it's kind of a more realistic if you could put it that way version of hogwarts um where everything is terrible and the reason why kids have to go to wizard school is because um they are like magnets for maleficaria which are evil monsters um and if they don't stay outside the school then they're like rate of survival is something like one in two and uh, until they like reach adulthood and then they stop kind of giving off that like eat me vibe to the monsters (laughs) um now inside the school it's only about one in four so like it's still horrible (laughs) um and like there's a lot of like educational inequality stuff in it because a lot of you know kids come from um like very rich like like communities of wizards where they're like prepared for the school and they easily get in and then you have like unattached kids who are just like fighting to survive and like most of the time they don't 
Um, so the main character is uh, one of those type, but she is also the subject of a prophecy that kind of um, says that she's going to become a, a, a dark witch to rule the world and subjugate all humanity to her whim and, like, you know, like, all the spells that come easily to her are, like, turning someone's organs on to their outsides and, like, erupting a super volcano and, like, that kind of thing. Um, but she's keeping that hidden and she's, like, very determined not to go down that path. But she's still also, like, a very, like, spiky character. Like, she's not, like, she's not, like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that because, like, I, I'm, I'm flowers and sunshine and light. She's just like, well, that would be horrible and wrong and I don't want to do that. Um, but she's still, like, a very realistic character. Um, and yeah, I think even this, in this series, the second book is even better than the first. Um, I am very looking forward to the third one whenever that comes out. And I don't know, Naomi Novik, call me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could adapt her books for TV. I want, well, somebody has definitely, um, it's so funny because somebody, uh, like two like big producer people have optioned the Scalaman series. And, um, when I, I heard that, I like looked it up and I was like, oh, I wonder like what, what, you know, network they're trying to put it on and what, you know, what streaming service. And then they were like, it's a movie. And I was like, it's a movie? How odd! <laughs> Turning a book series into a movie, like <laughs> this thing that used to be totally anymore. normal and like you know the de facto, and now it's like really that's such a strange approach to take to this. Like it actually might work because it's a very internal book, so like there's a lot of stuff that doesn't happen that might really stand out on a in a series um, that might might pass better if you're just doing like a you know event-based movie, um, mm-hmm. although I still don't know because the whole thing is narrated in first person, so I, I have no idea what they're going to do. But um, I don't know. They did the Divergent series, um, which I felt like the first movie, the first movie I felt had the most interesting part of the narration, and the rest of them were just kind of, they, they worked better as movies because there was, you know, more plot-driven. The first one, I felt like the movie suffered by comparison to the book because they didn't have the narration and they didn't have her perspective on things. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it sure. can go either way. Um, but yes, I would definitely recommend Scalamance books and also everything Naomi Novik has written. Um, if you can, <laughs> I actually haven't read all of Temeraire, um, but I was kind of a fan from the start, but I haven't read anything. So you're ahead of me. Yeah. SM, you really have to read um, uh, spinning silver. Like you have to act, you have to read it. <laughs> It's not an option. Like you have to. Someone needs it. to lend it to me. Okay. <laughs> Take it out from the library. Actually, buy a copy because you're gonna love it oh, and you're gonna wait, cherish it and want to have it in your. Maybe possession. I can get the audio book. Yeah, use Libby. Now that I'm doing audio books, I can probably get the audio book. That that is acceptable. Okay, I have a really dumb question. I always thought it was pronounced like a sh, not a ska. Like for shal. Like shalomans. Shalomans, but it's. Yeah, but it's Scholomance. I think I thought so. it's from, like, Scholar and School. Oh, that makes so much sense. I'm an idiot. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. That's, that's, yeah. I mean, honestly, like, it's a little bit weird because I think it's even spelled with two O's. So it looks like... What? I think so, isn't it? Like, let me Google. Oh, I thought you meant sheeps. I thought you meant she added a second O. Like, another O. But there is always a, yeah, there is always two O's. Yeah. Oh no, I'm totally wrong. I thought it was spelled like school okay. omance, but it is not. It's oh, no, no. Okay, here's so but, yeah, I, I found a Reddit. Like, uh, 
a Reddit that discusses it. Um, okay, so the original name was School of Necromancy. Um, so Scholomance makes sense. Uh, hold on. Yeah, school. Yeah, Scholomance. Oh my god, I just looked up and there's even a description on Goodreads for the book. I don't know if there's a release date. Oh, it does say that there's a release date. Well, yes. So, um, off that, uh, we can, we can move into our main topic of discussion, um, which is gratitude. Um, the way you would call, refer to it in Hebrew is hakarasatov or hakaratatov. There are some words in these, uh, some Hebrew words, um, in this that I'm not familiar with. So it's way easier to say them in the, like the, Hebrew pronunciation, whereas Hakar Satov is one of those things that I grew up hearing about all the time, so I'm very much in the, like, <laughs> more yeshivish pronunciation of that. And yet you can't find any examples. <laughs> it's hard! So I, I I was really thinking about it, and I... Not that not that there aren't, like, characters who express generosity in stories, but I... I Gratitude. Generosity was last week. I'm sorry. Right. Uh, no, so not that there aren't characters who who experience um, gratitude in stories like that. That's obviously not true, but I can't think of, or I'm struggling to think of anything that is like a really central value, mm. you know, because a lot of the time when I think of it, it's, it's sort of like perfunctory, you know, like, so like Harry at the end of um, order of the Phoenix feels very grateful for the, the order kind of standing up for him against the Dursleys, but he doesn't say anything about it. Um, and like, that's fine. Like he doesn't, you know, it's kind of an internal they know he he is grateful, but like I just I guess I can't think of it being like a a marked trait, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, so I was thinking, yeah, trying to find a character who I felt like like it was a central trait of their characterization. Um and that's how I got in a more general sense, which we can discuss more um afterwards. Um there are a lot of concepts of like I owe you a life debt sort of thing in a lot of fiction, you know, like uh, Chewbacca is with Han Solo because he owes him a life debt. Um, in Toy Story, I think it was the second one, was it? It was like they rescue those uh, aliens and they go, you have saved our lives. We are eternally grateful. Ooh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that is, uh, and I feel like that's a common uh, theme in a lot of different uh, a lot of different things are like that that a character uh, feels indebted to a different character and that like becomes the basis of a relationship and eventually it transcends that um, yeah so I thought we, we could discuss more examples of those after this but the other one that really came to mind that I wanted to talk about was um, Wonder Woman in the first Wonder Woman movie that I really felt like they dropped the ball on it in the second movie because this wasn't so much a part of a, her characterization at all in the second movie. Um, because in the first movie, she just seems so genuinely grateful and in awe of all of the things that the world has to offer. Um, like she, she takes a, <laughs> she gets an ice cream on the street and she's just like, oh my goodness, this is delicious. You should be very proud, you know? And, like, you believe her because she, like, really seems like everything about the world is amazing to her and she seems so grateful for all of it. Um, and in the second movie, she's kind of, you know, just 
going through the motions of her life and, and nothing, you know, in the world seems to capture her interest that way, which I felt was such a disappointment because that seemed like such a refreshing and different aspect of her character because, like you said, there aren't that many characters that just exude gratitude that way. So that was my thought. Yeah, I kind of agree with you both. Uh, but I think, like, just... I was I was trying not to steal Michal's thunder. Um, but I was thinking that um, from, like, the, the Thief series, there's a lot of gratitude between people of just, like, it being there for each other and, like, doing the right thing for each other. And, uh, like, if you haven't read it, I'm not going to ruin the whole series for you. But um, I just think that's a kind of a common theme, which is like gratitude for people. I don't know, like acknowledging your, your strengths and your weaknesses and kind of um, like paying it forward in a, in a way, like the, the, the main relationships between like the thief and the Queens, like it's based on respect, but it's also based on like, there is something that each of them, gives the other and that is kind of it's not it's not that the, the relationship is solely based on gratitude but there is a like an understanding of like I'm doing these things for you because I'm thankful for what you have done for me or my relationship with you or how much I love you and that's kind of I was I was thinking that's like really lovely like like I just think it's really like what is gratitude like you you can have the gratitude like you're mentioning like life debts or or just like you know thanks that you know you you stood up for me like Harry or thank you that you did this thing for me but i think like our relationships with people like what is a what is a a positive relationship right like isn't it the like awareness of being seen by somebody like they like they love you or they're your friends with you cuz they see you and i think that the 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 aspect you have back like the the aspect of the relationship that you have is, is so, like, gratitude towards them, you know, seeing you and recognizing you. And I just kind of was thinking of that. But I don't know if that's right. But I clearly need to work with gratitude. No, I really, I like that that interpretation of it. Yeah, I think, well, I think it's also tricky because there are a lot of ways to interpret gratitude, right? Like, I, I Hakara Satov would literally be, what would Hakara be? It means recognizing the good. Right, recognizing the good. And that is kind of not sort of like it's it's kind of an amorphous quality. Like it's you 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 are kind of supposed to be grateful for everything, right? Like that kind of I guess self self work where you kind of wake up in the morning. I mean, every every morning we, you know, say Moda Ani and we like thank God for for waking up. So it's kind of like the just the the baseline reality of like this exists and so I am grateful for it, which I think is a very I think you can maybe find that trait in um, fictional friendships and, and romantic relationships and things like that, that kind of unspoken, but like, yeah, gratitude for the other person's existence. And it's not necessarily tied to one thing or other that they have done. Um, I mean, you could say that like all fictional friendships kind of, or, you know, really even all like real world uh, you know, positive emotional relationships kind of function on that level to some degree. Um, but then there's also the like transactional, I guess, side of, of gratitude, which is, you know, you, you did this thing for me. And so I'm, I'm grateful for the thing that you have done for me. And that can, you know, that I think 
gets complicated in fiction because I think there's a lot of, I don't know, like independence. It, it, it's kind of contrary to it, to an independent protagonist in some ways. And like, it, it shouldn't be, but. Well, I mean, I guess that uh, I have two thoughts on that. Well, one of them is that I guess that means that gratitude is actually something that unlike the other traits, you cannot possibly work on that without other people. You have to, it's an act of showing thankfulness towards the actions of others or show towards, you know, the world or something you have. It's a, it's a relationship. Um, and the other thing was, um, if you think of like, you're mentioning like, Oh, it's about independence. But if I feel like for this whole series, we keep on going back to like Harry Potter and star Wars. Cause they're just things that everyone kind of knows. So um, sorry if that feels like that's all we're talking about. But um, in like the first book of Harry Potter, like what is, what what is the bond between Harry and Hermione and Ron? It's that Ron, you know, uh, showed like kind of Harry, you know. Uh, well, they knocked out a twelve foot mountain trail. friendship, <laughs> right? So that was the Hermione yeah. bit, but that was they were Ron. Ron was on the train, but Ron was like, you know, friends. Like, oh, I'll I'll, I'll welcome you into my world, and you know, his parents were also, um, you know, showed him onto the platform minimally, um, but. And then Hermione was, like, you know, thankful that, like, they saved their life, her life, um, and they were thankful that, you know, she helped them, but also they ended up, you know, growing out of that, their friendships. But that's, like, the whole basis of their friendship. And then every time when he does something stupid, it's usually when he doesn't have them giving him advice. And, like, that's a huge subplot in, like, when they wander around the forest and yell at each other. Mm-hmm. So stupid. Such a bad subplot. I hated that plot. Yeah. Well, the, it's, you know... The important thing in a lot of, you know, a lot of fandom properties, because there's the the concept of found family is a very big popular trope um, in a lot of different uh, contexts. Uh, and so there's often a very big arc um, or just a general uh, re- repeating theme in a lot of uh, in a lot of fandom stuff where it's about learning to trust each other and learning teamwork and all of that. And that you don't have to be on your own all the time. So like you can still be, you know, the hero or the protagonist, but you, you know, working together with your friends um, makes you stronger rather than less. So, yeah, I mean, there are definitely a lot of books that rely on the, the one independent hero and, they have to get cornered and they, you know, lose every, you know, possible uh, assistance in order to stand on their own and have their heroic moment. But I feel like there are a lot of other ones that uh, that let you that let the characters have those very important relationships and acknowledge that, you know, the great man of history is not a thing and that it is always a team effort. Um and tying that into gratitude, I guess, just, you know, appreciation of other people's talents and other people's abilities and their uh, ability to do what you can't and to bring something to the table that you can't, like, <laughs> just with this podcast. If if it was just one of us, I'm sure it wouldn't be nearly as interesting and in that no one would really want to listen to, you know, one of us talk for an hour. I mean, I probably would listen to any of you talk for an hour, but <laughs> I don't know about other people, you know. Um, I feel like you, because we have different perspectives and because we bounce things off each other and we each bring something different to the table, 
Um, that's, that's a major lesson that comes across in a lot of fiction. Um, often in small children's fiction, honestly, but also in regular adult normal fiction. <laughs> yeah, I, well, that actually kind of reminds me of, this, this might be a little bit of a stretch, but like, one of my absolute favorite tropes is like when the the nerdy person on the crew, like the the person who on the cop show stays behind and, you know, is, is the, the person in the lab or like Kaylee in in Firefly, you know, like is the person who doesn't into get the action hero position and has to. Yeah. Improvise. And then they get wounded <laughs> and then like the people are the like big strong people are so like upset for them and scared for them and like. I guess that of itself is kind of a gratitude thing. And I, I feel like it actually might be how it's used in, in some storytelling because it is kind of establishing that person's worth and like saying that they have, you know, that that concern comes from and that caring um, comes from other characters, like considering, like investing them with worth and being grateful for what they do, even if it doesn't seem as cool or dangerous or badass as you know what the what the main characters are usually <laughs> yes. doing yeah i do like that trope i haven't thought about it as a trope but yeah it's definitely something i've seen a lot and i don't know is there a name for it do you know <laughs> um, nerds in trouble I don't... <laughs> <laughs> fish out of water is the yeah. general trope but more specifics yeah um <laughs> nerds in trouble <laughs> that'll be my next podcast um i was like thinking about the actual meaning of the term, like, because it's, it, it is like recognizing the good, right? So it has to be an action, like, you know, of some, towards someone else. But if they didn't recognize that the person was like good before they got injured and they were missing an action, is that a karatato? Because isn't it like, you're supposed to like innately? I don't think that, I don't think it's that they didn't value them before. It's that they just, it didn't, it didn't manifest the same way like the person Mm. the person might have been insecure and felt like they weren't you know that they weren't contributing that is a big trope i feel like that's a it's a big trope about them feeling insecure and like they're not contributing enough and so they you know go out and do something risky and dangerous and everybody's like no don't do it we love you um (laughs) so i think uh yeah i think it can depend on the situation um and like most of the time it's not I mean, sometimes there is the, there are a lot of scenarios where, like, the character is in denial about their feelings for another character until the other character is in danger, and then it's like, oh my god, I can't live without you. So, I guess that's, like, belated Hakarata Tov. (laughs) Yeah, I do think that trope can play out in a couple different ways. I do think you're right that there definitely is a, a strain of it where, like, the, the big strong characters have, like, kind of either disdain or dismissal dismissiveness or 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 you know some like less than fully valuing that person's contribution and then the the danger kind of helps them recognize that um but like but i i mean i think i think the the point of all of these things is like sometimes you just don't recognize that like i you know sometimes i think you know something something we can all i think relate to is like you know gratitude toward your parents which is something that like i don't know about you but you guys is like 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 pounded into your head like as a you know in in my schooling (laughs) 
And like, it's still very, very difficult. And especially as an adult, when you come to realize like that, you know, your parent or parents like are real people and, you know, have struggles that they're not telling you about. And like, but you still have to recognize that. Like it's, it's something you have to work on, you know? So I think like, I think, I think gratitude can come, gratitude, I guess, isn't less valuable because you didn't have it or didn't have enough of it before. I I mean, I think that's true for all of these traits. Um, But because like, if you were born with all these traits perfectly, like probably wouldn't need to read the meet out most you'd probably still be the best person and, and go around wondering why everyone else is so terrible like you don't need this podcast what are you doing here go out and definitely change the world right <laughs> um but yeah i mean i so i think that like but I, I guess what's interesting to me is that i don't feel like that that gratitude is an arc in fiction so much mm. mm-hmm. i like i'm like determined to find something that is I feel like you can find it in individual episodes, you know, of like a TV show where a character learns to be like grateful for their place on a team or grateful for, you know, another person. But I don't know about like a long protracted arc. Yeah. I mean, like just to use the example you brought up last time, SM, with Sarah Crew from The Little Princess, like she's grateful for everything, regardless of whether she's wealthy or destitute. You know, yeah. Um, I'm still determined to find someone. <laughs> I believe in you. <laughs> I'm like, I keep on thinking of like, of, of kind of like how Anakin always goes. Like he, when he's older, he does say like to Obi Wan several times, like, "Oh, I'm thankful that like you guys, you trained me and stuff." Um, yeah, I feel like Luke Skywalker matures over the course of it, and part of it is you know accepting the wisdom of the masters that he, you know, as a younger, less experienced kid was not willing to accept. Well, even, so is that like, is that, is that gratitude towards like teachers in some, in some story, like narratives, like is kind of an arc, like with Luke or with like Harry, although I don't really know how to be thankful towards like Dumbledore and Snape in certain ways, but for some reason Harry is and he names his kids after them. Um, But like I guess those are ours. <laughs> those are ours. Yes, perhaps we can uh, file that under maybe misguided and possibly excessive gratitude. <laughs> yeah, be grateful for anybody who saved your life for any reason, you know. <laughs> True. I-, I meant more Dumbledore being like, "I'm gonna train you and guide you, but only sometimes, and also not tell you all the details." And you're going to have to die for it. And I'm also not going to tell you that. Yeah, well. Which I mean, like, valid. <laughs> if someone told me I was going to have to die to save the world, I would... I mean, but isn't that, like, all prophecies in, in literature? It's like, uh, like, I just started watching Wheel of Time, and I'm just like, mm, I don't every know, Does somebody minutes. always have to die in a prophecy? That's literally the half, like, the episode of, I'm up to the most second... I read the first book, so I do know what's happening in the first season. I don't understand anything else. Um, but, like... And this is not a spoiler for the show because the, sh- the books came out thousands of years ago. I'm sorry. Um, like in the first <laughs> series, like the dragon reborn might have to die in like the, to fight to like not bring the end of the world. And like, that's like an episode six. And I'm like, ah, classic. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> of course he does. Um, but then he doesn't because this is a thousand page, bajillion million pages of literature. So he does not die in the first book or season. 
Oh, I don't know. Ned Stark died in the first Game of Thrones book, so. <laughs> but I feel like that was a yeah. departure from the norm. <laughs> well, that's why it was so shocking. That's why it's such yeah. a good book, right? Because he, it was like, here's your protagonist. Oh, wait, no, he's no, not. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> well, he's still your protagonist, I guess, right? But he's dead. Ah, oh, classic. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think that's a good point, though. Like, it, it's been a while since I've read Deathly Hallows, but like, in that final conversation that Harry has with Dumbledore's portrait, like, I don't think he thanks him. Like, I think there's a there's a recognition that maybe Dumbledore's choices were necessary, but I don't think Harry's ever like, thank you for orchestrating this with my life. He named his kid after him! No, but I... I think he's more like he's more that he's appreciative that Dumbledore is now taking the time to explain to him what the heck was going on the whole time. And for, you know, like Dumbledore reveals, you know, his own personal history. And I think Harry appreciates knowing the context of a lot of the decisions. Um, But yeah, I don't think he explicitly says thank you. I feel like you don't name your kid after someone you're not grateful. I I feel like you don't name a someone like your kid after someone you're not you don't have gratitude towards or like love for or something like that that yeah I think that to say that that's not a a show of gratitude I think would be from my perspective I think would be wrong yeah Yeah, but what's a show of gratitude versus you know saying thank you like a lot of I feel like you know in general like a, a lot of stuff you know the the big the apologies and the thank yous tend to go unspoken like, I just listened to a book where, like, the main character and her love interest, um, I don't know, like, I had, like, a lot of issues with this with this romance. Um, like, sometimes the, you know, the writer acknowledges, like, the character does not know why she, you know, is interested in this guy because he keeps treating her terribly, you know? And, like, you find out he had, you know, some reasons and, you know, he had some context and he was, you know, he was acting out, he was hurt, he was whatever, doing his own thing. Um, But he never says sorry um, for, like, the extended period of time where he was being a complete and total dick to her, you know? And, like, those kinds of things, um, I feel like that and the thank yous, they tend to just we just kind of as like in in books especially i feel like there's just nobody wants to write the thank you scene everybody just wants to like okay we're just going to move on and like show through the characters actions that they're thankful or that they have forgiven um or that they're sorry but we're not actually going to say the words because i don't know it's anticlimactic i don't know why <laughs> yeah i i do wonder why um, although I am now just realizing that... Because it's hard. Well, to be fair, I guess Star Wars A New Hope does kind of end with a gratitude scene, if you want to call the... The medals. The, yeah, the medal. Except R2 scene. didn't get a medal, so, like, is that you really mean, gratitude? Neither did Chewbacca! <laughs> uh, unless you watched The Force Away- uh, the Rise of Skywalker, which we don't need to discuss. I don't remember the Rise of Skywalker except for certain parts that made me angry. <laughs> I just rewatched the whole series from one to nine and and and, and wrote one later. Uh, God, it was really painful to watch the last three. Like the first, like the original three, I grew up with, so I had some love for one, two, and three. Mostly one. That one's the superior one, in my opinion. Um, sorry, yes, I know you like two. But, 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 but like seven, eight, seven, eight, and nine should just like not like 
There were, like, a few good moments. Oh, but I'm not very grateful for that series. <laughs> a few good moments. That's it. Yeah. No. My favorite is still Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Same. Although I did like Solo, but the general public apparently disagrees with me. Because they have no I, I liked Rogue One better. Um, although I didn't realize that if you watched Re- Return of the Jedi on DVDs versus VHS when you were growing up, you had a very different experience. Oh, yes. And they put that really? experience on Disney+. Plus, and I was, I was like, what the hell is this cantina scene? Oh, my God. Um, I can't. Uh, well, okay. That terrible. actually, I think we can, we can um, segue into... I'm not grateful for it! <laughs> yeah. It's a fandom yeah. gratitude, or lack thereof. Um, I, you know, fandom entitlement is something... That is not a secret, and we talk about a lot. Um, but how do we feel about, like, you know, I, I'm always on emotionally on the side of, like, you know, these are creators, they're artists, they're, like, giving us their stuff, like, you know, whatever. We, we should at least have, like, a borderline respect for it. And then, like, I watch, no offense, as I'm Attack of the Clones, and I'm like, this is garbage. Like, how dare you? <laughs> I never said I liked Attack of the Clones. I'm not sure where this is coming from. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. I, 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 thought, I, thought, I thought you liked that one. Sorry. I don't know why I thought that. No. Attack of the Clones, I think, is the weakest of the first three. Um, and I would say that the the Phantom Menace and, and the Revenge of the Sith, or Return of the Sith, or Revenge of the Sith, right? Um I would say those are, you know, those are probably about equal. Maybe The Phantom Menace is a little higher because Liam Neeson was in it and he just, like, holds the whole thing together. I think The Phantom Menace was good except for the whole child anything, honestly. Rewatching yeah, it a lot, there, was, there was stuff in there, you know, that was, like, for the kids, you know, a lot of the Jar Jar scenes. But you're obsessed yeah. with Darth Jar Jar, so I guess you had a different experience <laughs> with that also. Well, in rewatching it now, honestly, I was seriously, I watched a 60-minute video on YouTube afterwards because I felt really bad. Like, I was like, I really think this thing is real. You guys, I really think it was supposed to be that. And then, like, sorry. I'm grateful that the Jar Jar actor tweeted something a while ago that kind of implied that that people were correct that Jar Jar was supposed to be a bigger character. Um, and But unfortunately, he was done really stupidly. But it seems to be intentional. Like, if you really watch some of the graphic... Okay, I can really go on about this for like hours. But like, the animation choices don't make any sense unless... They match the dark church Jar stuff, you guys. I really, <laughs> I'm like really into this conspiracy. Yes, I'm just like envisioning <laughs> Tamar's wall. There's like lots of string and pictures attached to everything, and just be like, "This is how you know." I'm the meme. <laughs> um, no, but like certain whatever certain choices of animation. If he wasn't an animated character, I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have found it so convincing. It's just that because the animator's choices had to be very um, specific, that it, it was very convincing of a conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. Which I guess most conspiracy theories are, except Flutter. I don't really understand how that works anyway. <laughs> I'm going to give you one guess. I'm, I'm going to give you one guess, and it has to do with the Jews. So, yeah. <laughs> oh really? Probably that makes sense. Um, what were we talking about before? Um, fandom. Yeah. Oh, creators. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah being thankful, grateful for for creations for... that aren't good <laughs> or that we don't like. Well, I think what uh, Michal was getting towards is 
like in Star Wars fandom, like isn't that the big huge debate is whether George, uh, not George R. R. Martin, um, George Lucas should keep editing and like fixing, and people are not thankful for that, and they're not thankful for like the longer stories. I think the new movies and whatever that fans fans like cannot like them, but I don't think they shouldn't be thankful for you know that's just more creation and stuff like. But I think him going back and editing things in that like as technology changes that's like a question of like you're ruining like the original memory that we have to fit your ideal so should we be thankful for that yeah like i'm okay with them coming out with other editions but i don't know why you have to get rid of the first editions before you know like like just you know let people keep whatever editions they like yeah pretty much yeah um they should have the options on. Hand that. shot first, okay. <laughs> I mean, hand shot only. <laughs> well, now it's the only one who shot in that scene. <laughs> now it's very, yeah. Now it's very distinct who who shoots first and whatever. Um, but I think, I mean, I think there is, you know, gratitude towards creators. Like, um, I feel like this these like series of um, conversations that we're having about these meetups is very. Uh, focused on like the fan perspective and I always think of like how fan fiction which we we, I think we discussed this last time also Mm -hmm. but like fan fiction is based solely on like gratitude like these people are writing this partially for themselves because they want to like you know see their favorite characters in a story but like it's so but if they wanted just to tell the story they would just think it to themselves and not write it out but they're writing it out to be read by other people who um ideally in a good world would leave a comment and like a kudos or a heart or whatever site they're on or a like or whatever. Um, just to let them know, like, thank you. I like reading this. Um, and I think like that aspect of like creation is something people like, like it sucks when someone tells you that like, they don't like something you did, but it's really like such a nice feeling when someone tells you that they do like something you've done. And I think that sort of gratitude is big. Yeah. No, nice comments are are the best. <laughs> I screenshot them and I put them in a folder. <laughs> yeah, I I haven't written fan fiction in a long time, but every so often I'll still get something, and it's like, oh my god, you liked it? No way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I try to like. There's there's sometimes like when I'll, I'll I'll read a piece that like, and then I find out that it, that it was really old, um, or like I look at and and, and see that it has you know very few comments or kudos, and I'm like, how does this not have more comments or kudos? And like, even though it's been five years since the author posted it, I'm just gonna be like. Uh, hopefully if they still check this email account, this will make their day. <laughs> so, so I'll say something nice. Yeah. In the same genre, like somebody responding underrated tweet to you is just like, ah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, that's, that's a, a less healthy, uh, cycle of, of <laughs> reinforcement, I think, but, but still it's, it's always nice to hear. Yeah. And also just like, and just because we, it's, like I just recently started a Twitter account of called whiny Jew things. And it's all just, you know, about things that Jews have to complain about because we have a lot of things to complain about um, and fetching. Um, and one of the tweets I, that I posted was like, when people don't understand that complaining is traditional and doesn't actually mean that you hate everything, you know? And I think that also plays into fandom um, because a lot of the time that is how we express, you know, how we, that we, you know, love and are invested in something is by picking it apart and uh, seizing on the things that we didn't like that we felt like could be better because we feel like this 
creation has so much potential. Um, so it's kind of like that, you know, that, that football coach who's hard on the kid because he believes in him, you know? <laughs> so like, that's why we're so hard on these people because we believe in them. Um, but one of my favorite fiction, uh, fanfic writers wrote that like, what really what draws her to a fandom um in terms of source material isn't always that it's amazing and perfect and pristine um she said it's really important that it's mediocre or that it has holes because otherwise there's nothing for me to write about um she <laughs> she, she did bring up babylon 5 and she was like babylon 5 is pretty much a closed loop story as I see it and there's not really much room for me to go in there and stick more things in and write a whole novel's worth of, of fanfic um, in that universe because it's you know it's it feels so complete um, as opposed to like the comics universe which is super messy and there are holes everywhere and there's so much room to play um, so we can be grateful for mediocre fan fandom source material um, because of, you know, the opportunity that it gives us. Um, and that even if we say something is mediocre, that doesn't necessarily mean we hate it. You know? Yeah. I mean, that, that comes to like the, the issue of, or touches on the issue of like fix it fic mm-hmm. and like, which I sometimes think is totally fine. Like I totally think that people are allowed to take a story and be like, I would have preferred it th- this happen. You know, that's that's totally valid. I had to do that in college one time. They were like, write an alternate ending for this book. And I was like, this book sucked. I'm going to fix the ending. <laughs> <laughs> but that, like, you know, I, I was on a... Uh, not I was on. I, w- I was at a, a convention back when those were real. Um, and, like, <laughs> I uh, I was on a... I was watching a panel about... I don't even remember what it was about. What it was about but there was, like, someone on the panel who was talking about how creators don't care about their their things like uh, like fan fiction it might have been about fan fiction but she was saying that she writes fan fiction because she can just do it better and like you know she just cares more than the creators of the thing and like like, excuse me (laughs) no way i'm not saying that that people never get tired or whatever but like there's also just so many like even the game of thrones guys like i think that show ended terribly okay i really do mm-hmm. i am not a fan of the ending but i also think like i'm sure they had it, their reasons and it wasn't lack of caring yeah and and they had an idea for the show that wasn't yours and like i disagree with it strongly but also like you know television production is really hard you know, and like so, there are things I'll, I'll. Nothing gets made that people don't really care about, in you know, for that kind of budget and that kind of money and and that kind of, you know, detail. There's no way that the people involved didn't care. I, I, I just to say, like, I guess that's coming to mind because, like, that strikes me as the very ungrateful side of things. That, like, again, I like, I don't think that, like, <laughs> I don't think that fans have to be like oh my god, thank you so much for, like, every single part of this, even things that I found offensive or or badly written or whatever. But I guess, like, the uh, uh, a basic amount of gratitude for someone putting effort into a thing and and putting it out there for you is, like, I guess a basic level of fandom decency that is sometimes lacking. Yeah. 
especially if you paid money for a thing or like, but if you're getting something for free, you know, like some things, you know, that were free on, on, you know, regular television and, and like people are so entitled about those, but then they get even worse if they paid any kind of money for it. Um, because they're like, I paid, you know, $10 for this book. Um, like you owe me. And sometimes I feel like, you know, if you break that down into, you know, how much actually went to the author and how much work they put in and how many hours that is. And you're paying them, you know, maybe a fraction of a cent for every hour that they spent on it, you know, like, you know, maybe you get what you pay for. <laughs> so like, don't, don't be so, you know, like there's, yeah, people get weird about money. Like, I understand wanting to get your money's worth. I understand that. But also people don't understand that like authors are not making millions off of, you know, the $10 you spent on your book. No, people who aren't writers for some reason think that writers are, make money. I don't understand that one. <laughs> but beyond, like, the, the paying, because as a journalist, I don't get paid by people because they usually don't like subscribing. And I have, I personally, I have thoughts about subscribing also, but I do try to. Um, but, like, right now as we're recording, it's, like, the last week of December um 2021 so I've been doing a lot of like end of year stuff and I saw one criticism was that was like um why didn't you write x about this 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 album that you talked about um and it, it was actually a really good point um I won't get into it but it, they did have a good point but for like a minute I recognized you had a good point but also I was like you guys first of all aside from the fact that I submitted ex the extra thousand words that my editor cut down like I as a human being am not you. So I would not write something the same way you would. And if you would like to write it this way and see it out there for the whole world, please pursue a career in journalism and do it yourself. Like I, I was honestly in that moment, I was like, why can't you just be happy that your band that you like so much gets, you know, recognition on my like end of year best of K-pop albums list. Um, but instead they pick like the, the nitpicky thing, which is definitely a show of passion but also it was like a little frustrating as the creator I guess of this or of this list um and and I was just like kind of like sitting there like crossing my arms like mm -hmm. like come on get over it like can't you just say like oh thank you so much for picking it I I really like what you wrote but I was wondering like not or like not even asking but like it would have been cool to see like x y and z it was like the lack of the of of nicety that really pissed me off I was like just fucking be happy like <laughs> I understand I could have done better like as a human I really as a writer I really do appreciate when people leave comments like that or that I see comments like that because then I think oh uh, yeah I could have done a little better there I could I should have been more thoughtful about like this aspect of this album title whatever and I could have you know focused on that a little bit more but honestly I had procrastinated way too much on writing that list so uh, it, it was what it was. Um, so that was like just a problem in general on my part. But like, I really appreciated it. But it was like the the way that they said it, I was like, "There's no hooker at home there." You're just nitpicky because you so always say um, in my creative writing classes in college, we were always uh, we use the sandwich method, which is that you start with something nice uh, that worked for you, and then you move on to something that didn't work for you, and then you close mm. with overall you know another positive thing um that did work and like sometimes it's really hard because 
some people can't write, but, <laughs> you know, you just try to teach to, people are much more receptive to constructive criticism if you show them that you value their work. Yeah, um, this wasn't even that, I didn't really, I just really <laughs> like when people leave comments on my articles, like, I really like feedback, I often ask people, like, oh, if you, you know, if you want to see something more, or you hear different things, like, please let me know, I really like when people have like criticism or feedback, not criticism. I like feedback. Um, criticism and feedback are are similar. It has to be positive feedback. <laughs> no, they're they're similar. They're just not synonyms because if you ask people just for criticism, all they will do is criticize. Mm-hmm. But feedback can be like like the sandwich method, or kind of like I liked X, but um, and I think that's the difference between criticism and feedback because criticism is is just the, is just the but without the. It's just the butt. <laughs> it's late at night here, okay? <laughs> My sense of humor has gone down the Now toilet. you guys know what it's like for me when I'm on that end of things. <laughs> I'm, I'm awake. I prefer this. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not asleep. I'm just blaming my very, very juvenile sense of humor at the moment on the late <laughs> hour so that I don't have to admit that I have a juvenile sense of humor. This time is good, except sometimes on Sundays I do have plans. So that's um, the difference between being in a place where you can't have plans versus New York. Yes. Uh, where you should not. If you have plans, I'm sorry, please stay home. I don't really miss plans, I, I'm not going to lie. What are, what are plans? I don't know. I have plans with my computer. You know, like, those are my plans. So I, something, just I guess to sort of start wrapping up, it's sort of made, when you guys were talking about all this, it, it sort of made me think that, like, you know, maybe we kind of over, like, uh, overburden, I guess, the idea of gratitude. Like, we, we, we think of it, I, I, at least, you know, when you say, like, gratitude to me, I'm like, I, I instantly kind of go to, like, grander shows of gratitude, you know, or just, like, mm. whatever. But, like, it really can be something quite simple. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the fact that, like, it is left out of a lot of, fiction or in in my opinion it is left out of a lot of fiction is because it kind of functions on that like very kind of background noise level of interhuman communication because you're not like you're not seeing every conversation that harry has with hermione and ron you know um but like i don't know like i i wonder what it would be like if 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 we kind of tried to show that a little bit more in our in our fiction like not grand gestures not whatever but just people having a little more evident appreciation for the the people or dragons in their lives <laughs> the people or the dragons in their lives there must be dragons i i i reject the idea that there cannot be well, wait does that mean like you <laughs> in, know in fiction or like their lives. Well, I, I, like- I have a dragon bias, and I'm not going to apologize for it. I think there should be dragons in everything. It's <laughs> like that meme of like the little kid going to the librarian and being like, uh, "What's this book?" And it's like, "Oh, uh, it's about blah blah blah." And he's like, "Does it have a dragon in it?" And she's like, "No." Then what is it even doing here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. One. See, that kid has no gratitude towards the librarian who gave him a very good answer. <laughs> Be very grateful for your librarians, everyone. They mm-hmm. have a very hard job. Underappreciated heroes. And underpaid. Mm. Um, any other thoughts before we wrap up? 
what is our meetup of next week? Well, our meetup of next week, I'm glad you asked, SM, is trust or bitachon, which Ooh. I actually think we'll have a lot to say about. Trust falls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did those in my acting <laughs> class. <laughs> Mm. Apparently, I'm a very trusting person. <laughs> I, I would like to demonstrate my trust of people in other ways, I think. But <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't think I'm a very trusting person. But for some reason, I'm very, very willing to go along with trustfuls. I'm too stupidly trustful, and I should not trust people as much. Well, tune in to our next episode for, <laughs> <laughs> for some nice Jewish therapy. <laughs> Uh, all right awesome. oh, dear. so uh I- oh wait see you all next year oh yeah oh my goodness well next lo- next solar denial, year it's not happening yet <laughs> well i mean it's already another year for us so sorry yeah I mean, it doesn't matter anymore <laughs> been there done that this year we didn't do our our dares for like the holidays and i kind of missed out on that Oh, was that a holiday thing? Well, didn't we do it? Yeah, I didn't know that was like a holiday thing. I thought that was like a whenever we get around to it kind of thing. I'm happy to do fandom challenges. (laughs) Um, I thought it was a holiday thing. I don't remember. I thought it was in place of gifts. I think it might have once been a holiday thing. And I think we might have done like a special live stream about it. I think. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, But then I think we did another non-holiday one. Yeah, because we've done them twice, and I don't know that we had, like, specifically established a tradition. You guys know how much I love that. (laughs) We could definitely do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Let's make Michal do all the stuff that she hates. (laughs) I'll make you read more romance books. It'll be amazing. Oh, my God. You'll want to to poke your eyes out with a spork. There is just so much out right now that it is ridiculous. Like, I'm behind on Wheel of Time. My sister was just like, let's watch Babysitter's Club. It's like, I still need to watch Arcane. I still need to watch the mountaineering documentaries that are on Netflix. Like, yeah, So you should just do what I do and don't do it, watch anything new and just rewatch old Star Trek over and over. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, I've become, like, not much of a rewatcher. Um, but I, I, what I do is just watch stupid YouTube videos, like, endlessly, because it just takes less brain power. Should just watch Chris Hadfield. <laughs> You'll learn all about space. You'll learn how to use a space toilet. That'll be something. <laughs> Tamar, why don't you tell us where can, where we can find you on the internet? Um, you can find me on the internet at Tamar Writes on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is more professional, but I'm on hiatus, and Instagram's kind of just me posting selfies and random pictures of Hong Kong. Um, or you can follow my articles, which get updated day to day from a stream feed at tamarherman.com. Um, you can buy my book, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, wherever you like to buy books. Um, if you can't get it at your local bookstore, you can ask them to request it because it is distributed by Simon Schuster, which is very cool. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Happy Tower to Tootsie. And SM, how about you? Um, you can find me, uh, you follow my public posts on Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Floating Spirals. You can follow my latest uh, little Twitter joke account called Whiny Jew Things. Uh, and you can find my fiction on Amazon.com slash author slash SM Rosenberg. And as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Ink as Rain, and you can also listen to me on a couple of other podcasts, including sometimes the Vassals of Kingsgrave podcast, the Witcher podcast called the Podcast of Surprise, and the Marvel slash Star Wars slash Disney Plus slash 
nerd stuff that strikes our fancy uh, podcast level seven access. Uh, as for us at Nice Jewish Fangirls, you can email us at NiceJewishFangirls at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Jewish Fangirls, and you can find us on Facebook as well. Uh, our uh, wonderful editor, Jamie, is um, Jamie underscore Bloomberg, and you can find their website at jamberg.me. So, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next time to talk about bitachon, or trust. And until then, uh, live long and prosper, everyone. The third episode of Nice Jewish Fangirls, a podcast where three Orthodox Jewish women tell you how best to live your life.